that make it possible uh, to serve the kids. And um, these kids, it's been life-changing experiences for them to be a part of this. They love it. They get excited. Uh, sometimes they're scared to go for the first time, and, um, but after they've been, they want to go back. They can't wait to go back. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Thankful for Adam and Amber and Brad and Susan that lead our, our kids' ministries and youth ministries. Uh, we had fruit. Uh, we're bearing fruit from that. Last week, uh, we had a baptism. Someone was raised alive through our youth ministry. Uh, so we're just so thankful uh, for what they're doing. And I'm excited today about our new series. Uh, we, we finished up the book of First Timothy, uh, preached all the way through it, um, and so you are. Uh, you can find those sermons online. If you missed one, or you want to, you want to go back and watch it again. I know y'all dying to do that. Um, you can get go to our website, and there's links to it. MBFC.Church is our website, um, and you can find those. So this morning we're starting a, a new series on the life of David. I prayed about this, uh, and. Um, for some reason, last weekend I was thinking, I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to go back to the Old Testament, and uh, we went in this old house uh, over on Hurricane Creek, and we're digging through stuff, because that's the kind of stuff we do. Uh, they were giving stuff away, or uh, so, you know, anything we can find in junk, we get excited about. Uh, well, they had several books in there, and the first two I picked up were, uh, were studies on David, and I thought, okay. All right, God, let's uh, let's do this. So I took those books home and I read some of them. Um, and uh, this is one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. Um, and we're going to kind of go from beginning to end. Uh, I kind of outlined it. I would guess anywhere from six to ten weeks will be on the life of David. I want to capture uh, the elements, the things he goes through. And this morning, our first sermon is titled... Uh, the Life of David is the series. The title of the sermon is The Nobody, because that's how David starts out. Um, and we're going to look at his life as a nobody and see how does it apply to you and me, how does it apply to us, and how do we apply it thousands of years later uh, in our life today. David was just a, an incredible person. If you, if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, the core of the life of David that we can learn from it, and, and what I think we all probably recognize this comment, uh, is, is that David had a heart after God. That's what we all know. Uh, and that's going to be underlying through every uh, segment of his life that we look at. Uh, but I want us to understand how, how this happened, and we'll take some context as we read through the Scripture. Uh, I want to give this as the, 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 the reference point, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. And this is Samuel, who was a prophet, who was the last judge before Israel demanded to have kings that ruled them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Saul was the first king, uh, and this is Samuel talking to Saul because Saul absolutely just makes a wreck of his leadership. I mean, he is just terrible. Uh, he starts out pretty good, and the, 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 I mean, the ship sinks. Uh, and God says, I've had enough. I'm going to find me some, a, a new king. Well, this is what Samuel says to him, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart 
and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Luke in Acts, he talks about David this way. He says, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel, the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. We find that our hearts are such an important place. There's so many different scripture that point to it. You know, Luke says that out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. We find in Proverbs, he's a man after God's heart. Was he perfect? By no means. But he was a man after God's heart. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But if our heart is this important, what better life to look at than the man that God says is after his own heart? So that's why we're going to take several weeks. We're going to look at him because what's in your heart, what's in my heart comes out of our mouth. What's in our heart comes out of everything we do and say and believe and plan this week and next week and today. What's in our heart guides where we put our confidence, what we put our trust in, what we put our hope in, and how we live each and every day. So I hope our hearts can be uplifted over the next six to eight weeks, maybe ten. We'll, get, we'll be running close to Christmas here, um, but our hearts will be uplifted. Let's look uh, at this scripture, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the nobody. Little David, the nobody. First Samuel 16, chapter 1, is chapter 16, verse 1. I'll get it out in a minute. First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. It's where the story starts. Actually, the story starts in Genesis. But, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. This is all part of God's story from beginning to end. But the, the story of David begins here. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, this is a great place for, before we jump into the rest of these verses, for me to give you a little context here. What had happened is the nation of Israel, uh, they were frustrated because they were ruled by judges uh, instead of kings. And so Samuel was the final judge, and he appointed his two sons as judges, and they were, you know, the Bible says that they, uh, they, they started this downward spiral. They became uh, greedy and taking bribes, and they were abusing the power that God had gave them. So the, the children of Israel went to Samuel and said, hey, listen, you're old. I mean, that's literally what they said. You're an old man, and your sons, they're, they're doing a terrible job. And listen what, what they said. They said, everybody else around us has a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. There's a lesson here that God tries to teach them. He gives them instruction. He gives them direction. They come and they say, 
God, Samuel, you're old. Your sons are terrible, and everybody else has a king. We want a king. We want somebody powerful. With they wear gold crowns, and and they just they're military champions and warriors. And they're these other countries are just taking over. And here we are. All we got's these little judges. It's basically what they said. Sounds like a familiar conversation, doesn't it? Except we say whatever else plugs into that. So-and-so's got this. Everybody has this. If you're a parent, have you ever heard your children say that? All my friends are doing this. Why can't I do this? All my friends have this. Why can't we have that? And if you're a parent, at some point in your life, you were a kid and you said it too. (laughs) And maybe you're an adult and a parent and you still say it, because I do sometimes. We get frustrated. But here's some things to to remember, uh, because God told Samuel, he said, go tell him, uh, you know what? If you want a king, here's how things are going to change. The king's going to take all your sons and put them in an army. He's going to take all your daughters, turn them into servants. He's going to take all your best property. He's going to tax you. I mean, God, through Samuel, told the children of Israel, this is going to be a train wreck, like terrible. And they said, we don't care. We want a king. And God gave them a king. Y'all remember, uh, maybe y'all haven't seen the movie Bruce Almighty. I heard a little, few laughs. You remember where he, he gets all these, he, if you've not seen it, uh, it's a comedy. And for a while, uh, he gets frustrated with God. So God gives him, grants him all his powers and authority. And so uh, Bruce Almighty is getting all these emails that are prayer requests. You remember, they're just popping in his inbox full, and he's trying to answer them one by one. And he's just, they just can't get there. He can't get them all. So he just, he says, you know what? He hits reply all. He sends an email to every one of them and just says yes. Do you realize the worst thing God could ever do is give us everything we ask for? So he tells them all yes, I mean, and he walks out in town, and the whole world has went to pot. <laughs> I mean, just everything is, people are selfish, they got everything they want. I mean, it's just a disaster. This happened with the nation of Israel. God gave them what they wanted. He warned them, he said, but this is what you want, you can have it. And they choose Saul. They pick their own king, one that's tall and handsome and a warrior and has and uh, he has a history of success, and he looks like a king should look like, and he looks like uh, their enemies kings, and they think he can lead us out of this situation. But what had happened here, or, uh, real quick, some things to remember. Uh, if the basic reason you want something is because everybody else has it, there's some truths to remember. Uh, one, not everybody else has it. This is just real practical. Every, that word everybody, that's pretty all-encompassing. Not everybody has it. Not everybody's got a brand new car. Not everybody's got a better house. Not everybody. There's always somebody in a worse situation uh, than you and me. Uh, some people that have it would rather not. They probably got some complaints about it. They could probably tell you, yeah, I do have it, but, you know, if they went and talked to the other nations, they said, you really, really you want a king? Because, like, we don't have anything. He's taken everything. I've not seen my kids in forever. I've, you know, this is, this is terrible. Why would you want it? And that, some people want what you have. 
Some people want the situation that you're in. But what we really find is that this desire to have something everybody else, what everybody else wants is just a symptom of uh, discontentment, which God teaches us against. He teaches us just to be content with his will and the situation that we're in and to thank him and to trust him and to be content with what he's given us. Um, and this attitude is really a symptom of discontentment. But Samuel here, the same place many of us have been, he was at the end of his rope. He was at the end of his rope because he told them not to get a king. They got a king. Saul's made a wreck of this. Now the nation of Israel, they're surrounded by their enemies. They're at war with everybody. They're losing. Saul's leadership has fallen apart. You know, he's, he's become jealous. He's become angry. Uh, he, he's become paranoid. You know, he's become murderous. He has just gone off the deep end. And Samuel is thinking, oh God, oh God, he's panicking. What are we going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You, you realize that, that we panic, but God provides. Amen. We panic in life situations, but God provides. He says right here, he says, uh, the Lord says to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? I already told you I found a man after my own heart. Why are you, 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 you should have more wisdom than this, Samuel. You know I'm going to provide and take care of you. He said, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. What a response to God. He's still thinking more about Saul than he is what God just asked him to do. The Lord doesn't even respond. God just kind of ignores his uh, disobedience and his fear and doubts. And he just says, take a heifer with you. <laughs> he just goes on and keeps telling him the instructions. Uh, I think we're all human sometimes. When God calls us to do something, our first response is, but. But if we have a heart after God, we find that we just keep listening and God keeps speaking, and he gives direction. He says, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Here's the things, in their world and in their culture, Samuel was not a nobody. It was a big deal that he showed up in Bethlehem. And they didn't know why, and they were scared about why. And they said, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eli and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. We know this story. This Eli must have looked like a king. He must have looked like what Samuel would have imagined the next king would look like. He says, surely this has to be him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We're going to take some truths that, from these in a minute. I'm going to read through them. Then Jesus or Jesse called Abinadab 
and had him pass in front of Samuel. You know, we're going to be having a baby boy soon. I keep telling Beth, all these names I come through, I'm like, what about Abinadab? That just rolls off the... That rolls off the tongue. We'll call him Ab for short. Uh, the Lord has not chosen this one either. So maybe we shouldn't name him Abinadab. Jesse then had Shema. That's a good one. We got some votes on that one. Passed by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. This is one, this is, these verses right here are some of my favorite in the entire Bible. So we asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? See, there was a, there was a nobody out in the field that wasn't even good enough for his own dad to bring him to the sacrifice. Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse says. That Hebrew word is katan. So he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. Verse 13, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. What about that? And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. We find here in this story about the nobody, about David, he had some things that God saw as valuable. Things that God could take and use to make him a somebody. The things that God saw were not the things that Samuel and the nation of Israel were looking for. They weren't wealth. They weren't intelligence. It, it, it wasn't uh, a family line. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't where they were from. It wasn't how many battles they'd won. These are not the things that God was looking for. We find here that the things that God looks for in spiritual leadership and leaders and Christians to step up. If, if you say, man, I feel like a nobody, uh, could God, yeah, absolutely. Actually, every one of us in here, uh, we're all nobodies. God can take a group of nobodies, though, <laughs> and change the world. The first thing that God's looking for is spirituality, and I'll say this, relationship. This is, this is where, where God talks about uh, David as a man after his own heart. Charles Swindoll, he said it like this, Seems to me it means that you are a person whose life is in harmony with the Lord. This is a man after God's own heart. What is important to him is important to you. What burdens him burdens you. What he says, or when he says, go to the right, you go to the right. When he says, stop that in your life, you stop it. When he says, this is wrong and I want you to change, you come to terms with it because you have a heart for God. That's bottom line biblical Christianity. 
It's not about living down a checklist of rights and wrongs and doing things right. It's about a relationship. Here in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, he said this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, that are completely his. That are completely his. Second thing he looks for is humility. Here was little David. I love this. I don't, uh, David may, we don't know for sure, but I'm trying to imagine, did David know? I mean, he had to know that his dad and all of his brothers went somewhere. And, you know, we don't find that he was uh, fighting and scratching and saying, well, wh- why are you all going? I want to go. Uh, we find that he was, in his humility, he was out in the field tending the sheep. Psalm seventy-eight, seventy-nine says, he also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. In Psalm 89, I have found David, my servant, with my holy oil, I have anointed him. The historian Josephus, he said that Samuel, uh, while he was there, when he was anointing David, you can imagine as, as David was pulled out of this field, and he was just taking care of his sheep. And he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know why he's going there. Um, but he's, he's taken out. They've sent for him. They bring him over, and he sees Samuel there. And Samuel begins to pour oil over him, and he says, this is the one the Lord chosen. Josephus said, he, Samuel whispered in the ear of David and said, you're going to be the next king. Can you imagine that moment in David's life? Can you imagine maybe how you would have responded or I would have responded? Maybe if you had six brothers that always left you out of everything, maybe you get a little nana-nana or whatever in. Maybe you're, you're thinking about what size crown you're going to need and you're trying to find out where am I going to get my crown. Maybe you say, hey, I'm the king. No more sheep for me. No more sheep for me. But if you read on down and what we're going to talk about next week, David the servant. We find when Saul is struggling, it says an evil uh, spirit comes upon him. He needs somebody to come and play music for him. And the first person a servant recommends is David. God's working things out in his way, in his time. And they send for him. You know where he was? In the field with a sheep. In the field with a sheep. God is looking for humble hearts. For people who are willing to go out in the field and feed the sheep. You know, he was waking up still every day. He was still taking care of the sick ones. He was, he was finding the lost ones. He was making sure they had food. He was meeting all their needs. He was doing it every day. The third thing we find that David had was integrity. Psalm 78, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. Integrity is, is when no one is looking, you're still acting like they are. 
Because integrity is what God sees. The, the, the truth is you cannot put on a show to impress God. You can, you can show up every week at a church service. I mean, you can go feed the hungry. You can, you can do all these things that to your friends and your neighbors and everybody around us at church. I mean, you can have us, everyone fooled, and your heart be in the wrong place. How does it feel to know that God is looking at your heart? Not what you, I'm looking at. Not what you, you, You're not out to impress us. You don't have to make me proud by showing up at everything and doing more, 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 more. I think if, we, uh, if, if we're a child of God, then that's how we bear our fruit. Faith works. It says, you'll, you'll know them by the fruit that they bear, and, and show me your faith, and I'll show you, uh, uh, show me your faith with works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Amen. Like, that's how you see it. You, you can't have faith and not do anything and not give. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't have faith and not have fruit that bears. But you can trick people with some fruit, and we've got to have wisdom to discern but someday we'll all answer, not for what we did and how much we did, but where our heart was. will determine eternity. Not what you did, but what you believed. And where your heart is. This was David. You want to be a leader? You want God to use you? You don't have to have a better education. You don't have to have more money. You don't have to... You need spirituality, you need a relationship with him. You need humility to realize, God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a nobody out in the field. And you need integrity. You need to be able to be trusted to do the right thing in the important times. We give, uh, we give a lot of grief here probably to, um, to Samuel when he shows up and he starts... The first son that comes out, that's him. And we say, Samuel, you're not supposed to look on the outside. And we I often forget about Jesse was really a lot worse than Samuel. I mean, Jesse was a lot worse than Samuel because he, I mean, he didn't even bring David. He left him out in the field. Here's some practical, uh, practical things. Uh, one, you can't put on an outward show and Im impress God. Two, never underestimate the nobody. Never underestimate somebody that by this world's measures has no chance to ever make a difference. Your hope, your future, the next leader of the church could come from a nobody. Actually, it does come from a nobody. That's the way God works. He uses people you don't expect. Uh, and uh, I, I am a nobody. I've been a nobody by the world's measure. In my mind, I still am a nobody by the world's measure. But I've been in the situation where people, uh, you know, I'd graduated college and people walked up to me and said, Hey, when are you going to get a real job? I was selling guitars. Just a nobody. You're a nobody. 
I've been in the situation where I was, uh, I was playing. I used to play the piano for different events and things, and I played, this, uh, I played for this entire evening uh, for a family at the Expo Center. You know, just background music. I was bored out of my mind just playing the... the just playing. I just quit playing songs or making stuff up. You know, nobody paying attention. Um, and they had a jar sit out there, and when it was all over, I'd played for like two hours. A dollar. <laughs> a dollar. You're a nobody. You're a nobody. It, I have a job now that uh, puts me out in front of a lot of things, and a lot of people uh, see me, and some people think I'm a somebody. I can't get my arms around that. I'm still the guy that is playing the piano for the people who don't care, and I don't care about me, uh, and I'm just a nobody. Here's the the final truth. Nobody is a nobody in God's eyes. (laughs) It it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are. It does not matter. Nobody is a nobody in God's eyes. You may uh, feel like your faithfulness has gone unnoticed. You may feel like you're so far removed from God's purpose for your life. You aren't. You may feel like your contribution, you're not giving enough, you're not doing enough. Today, you may feel like a nobody. And to be honest, it's a, that's the place, that's the point where humility starts is with that reverence and awe for God Almighty that he created us. You know, God, I I am, in the big scheme of things, I am a nobody. No matter how much money I've got, no matter how much money I don't have, without you, I'm a nobody. Listen, though, to what is in the New Testament. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let me paraphrase that for you. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses That God chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Not one person in here. Anything good that comes from any of us. This is what God's saying is it comes from God. 
We have no reason to think we are somebody or better than anybody. To look at somebody and say, they're a nobody is just awful. But we do it every day. We do it every day. And it says, that's why we have the saying. Oh, let me finish. Uh, you have no, uh, none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. If you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. Final thought. There was a time when Jesus was calling his first disciples, and, uh, and Philip had met Jesus and realized who he was and just was so excited he went and was telling people you remember he he went and told Nathaniel remember they went and told Nathaniel you remember what Nathaniel said what good what good can come out of Nazareth Jesus was a nobody. Nathaniel just said he discounted Jesus for who he was and because where he came from. He was a son of a carpenter. He came out of Nazareth. What good can come out of Nazareth? The very God we serve came down and walked amongst us. He didn't come in and said he could have been a king, but he chose to come as a servant. David is a picture that paints the portrait of Jesus himself. That God used Jesus in his humble beginnings, in his humility, in his relationship with God, and in his integrity to bring us all hope. For the sin that we all have in our lives. That, that, that God can take nobodies, turn them into somebodies, and change the world. Amen. That's why we're here today. Because something good did come out of Nazareth. Something good for you. As we stand and we just sing this song, we open up the altar. It came for you. Are you hurting? It came from me. Within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is He took little David that was out in the field that was just humble, that was just doing what God had called him to do. He was just, he was just faithful. And God says, You know what? Samuel, that's my king. That's the one I want to lead my nation. Dealing with your heart if it's not like a nobody if, if you're wondering what God has in plan for you, if you're not saved, if you've never given your life to you, there will be no better day than the day pray and say, God, I give it to you. I've tried hard, I've tried to impress, I've, I, I've tried to do what I can, and I feel like just I can't get there. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. 
I know people are here and these Can't continue to reveal yourself to them. Well, there may be people here that they may just, they may be, they may be scared because they think everybody thinks they're already saved and they're not. They've been coming and they've been showing up and they've been partners and they, they're helping and they're volunteering. But God, you may not have changed their heart yet. And they're trying so hard to give it their all. And they don't have to. They don't have to put all their energy in. They just have to put their faith in you. God, let us be a witness. Let us be a light. Let us blow the horn for God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, if God is dealing with your heart this morning, don't take it home with you. Come find me. Uh, find anybody.